The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have the worst odds to win the NFC South this year, but what's the case for and against them nabbing their third straight division crown? Locked on Bucks co-host James Yarkle joins me to discuss that on today's Locked on Falcons. You are Locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, a.k.a. Mr. Drew, a.k.a. Sirius Black, and a very humble host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, or daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of Locked on Sports Atlanta, your team every day. And we thank each and every one of you that makes us your first listen. Make sure you follow in their footsteps by subscribing or following for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. So today's episode, we are continuing our NFC South chatter. Unfortunately, no Locked on Panthers this week because Julian Council is a coward. We will see his yellow bellied hide in September. But we have been talking about uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and New Orleans Saints all week long with Ross Jackson of Locked on Saints, James Yarko of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We heard earlier this week from both of those guys, their thoughts on the Atlanta Falcons. Yesterday, we heard from Ross on the Saints. Today, we'll be hearing from James on the Bucs and get his insights into this year's Bucs team, which is kind of the forgotten team in the NFC South. And we'll, you know, ask James to remind us why we should, you know, Remember the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as he makes the case for and potentially against them winning the NFC uh, South crown. And just like yesterday, we'll wrap up today's episode talking about a potential Falcons target in the 2024 NFL draft, which is former South Carolina tight end uh, and current Florida state tight end uh, Jaheim Bell. So get my thoughts on Bell at the end of today's episode. But without further ado, let's jump into that conversation with James Yarko of Locked on Bucks right now. All right, everyone, you are back with another illustrious guest, one half of the Locked on Bucks podcast. He is none other than James Yarko, and he is going to join us to talk a little bit about those pesky Tampa Bay Buccaneers on today's Locked on Falcons. And we'll get some insight into the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but James, my friend, uh, welcome back to Lockdown Falcons. Oh, it's a pleasure to be back. It's it's been a long t- uh, long time since you and I have gotten to do a show together. Of course, David Harrison, my co-host, does the crossover episode, so you guys get to talk every year. But yeah, it's it's been a long time. Excited to talk about the Buccaneers for all of the Locked On Falcons listeners. And have no fear, Falcons fans. I will be as fair as absolutely possible. Okay. We'll see. We will see. So, you know, by all accounts, the NFC South is pretty much wide open. You know, mm-hmm. you can basically throw all the teams into a hat and pick a name out. And there's a pretty plausible chance that that team can walk away leading the division. We know the Bucs have kind of dominated the division the last couple of years. But, you know, it's the end of the Tom Brady era, the beginning of the Kyle Trask, Baker Mayfield era. You know, we'll, we'll get your thoughts on that, James, uh, in that regard. But if we're, you know, time traveling to roughly six months from now and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers once again reign supreme in the NFC South. I'm just curious to pick your brain on what do you think will be the reasons for that? What is the case for the Buccaneers walking away with this year's NFC South title again? I think first and foremost, what a lot of it would boil down to is the health of the team. You go back to how disappointing 
an eight and nine finish was last season. And yeah, it won them the NFC South, but they did so with kind of a carousel of offensive linemen. It started with Ryan Jensen going down in day two of training camp. You had Ali Marpet retire. Uh, you had your starting left tackle, Donovan Smith, who is now with, with Kansas City. He gets hurt in week one against the Cowboys. You you have Nick Leverett, who was supposed to be Ali Marpet's replacement at guard, tear his ACL in the final preseason game against the Colts. Then beyond that, you have Chris Godwin, who wasn't fully back healthy from his ACL tear. You have Shaq Barrett go down. You have injuries throughout the secondary. Antoine Winfield Jr. was on pace for an all-pro caliber season. He kept missing games due to injury. So I think it starts right there. This this is still a football team with a lot of talent. Yet yes, Tom Brady is gone. You know, that that whole era is over is as short and fun as it was. But Tom Brady came to this team three years ago because they had so much talent and couldn't get over the hump with Jameis Winston. So a lot of that talent still remains, but health was obviously one of the biggest factors last year. And then, you know, another reason that they could go on to win the NFC South again is the replacement of offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich, who, you know, Bruce Arians retires as the head coach. Todd Bowles is put in charge. Bruce Arians goes upstairs. Well, now Byron Leftwich doesn't really have, for lack of a better term, a, a babysitter. And uh, you have to wonder seeing how much the Buccaneers offense struggled last season compared to the first two years. Uh, what, what part of the offense was Bruce's and what part of it was Byron's when Byron had the full reins, it was predictable. It was vanilla. It was boring. It was, you know, absolutely no creativity whatsoever. They, apparently felt that you couldn't send players in motion anymore uh, once Byron Leftwich took over. So the invigoration of the youth and the excitement and the energy that Dave Canales is now bringing to the offensive coordinator position coming from Seattle, being a guy that has worked under Pete Carroll since Pete Carroll was back at USC is something that's really been exciting. And, and he's out there and he's energized and he's having fun with these players and a big part of that of course is going to fall on the quarterback position right is it Kyle Trask is it Baker Mayfield a lot of people don't really remember or even realize that when Baker Mayfield was being jettisoned out of Cleveland wrongfully in my opinion the Seattle Seahawks were one of the teams that wanted him Dave Canales wanted to work with Baker Mayfield as the Seahawks quarterbacks coach Pete Carroll wanted uh Baker Mayfield to replace uh, Russell Wilson. So he now has a quarterback that he already wanted in place. And, and I feel like Baker Mayfield has kind of gotten a raw deal, right? He, he wins a playoff game for Cleveland for the first time in like 30 years, then plays all next season with an injury, trying to battle through, trying to help his football team. They use it as an excuse to bring in Deshaun Watson. Well, now Baker Mayfield is sent to a sinking ship in Carolina with Matt rule as the head coach doesn't get there till after training camp already begins, gets sent off to the Rams, who by that point had practice squad receivers to throw to. So I, I think if the Buccaneers are going to win the division, a big part of that is going to hinge on Baker Mayfield getting back to who he was in 2019, 2020 with the Cleveland Browns, and he has the talent around him to do it. I think that's a, a pretty compelling case. Uh, for this Buccaneers team. That's something I noted on a previous episode. 
you know, when you look at the supporting cast that the Bucks have, it's basically for the most part the same roster that they've had been successful with the last couple of years, minus a couple of uh, you know pieces. Uh, obviously, one of those big pieces is Tom Brady. But if you just can assume that you can get good version of Baker Mayfield, I do think this Bucks team is potentially going to be formidable, and so it would not surprise me one bit if they emerged uh, victorious in the NFC South. But we've heard the case for why the Bucks can win the division. James, I'm curious to pick your brain on what are some of the ways where the Bucks may fall short of those expectations, and we'll get into that as we continue today's Locked on Falcons. But first, guys, I want to tell you to take your first swing on betting Major League Baseball over at FanDuel, and you'll get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet $20, and you'll land up to $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's $200 that you can spend on everything from money line to straight-up bets, over-unders, parlays, who's going to hit the first home run in a game, all on an app that's safe secure, super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on Major League Baseball than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball. So here with James Yarko of Locked on Bucks, and we just talked about the case for the Bucks winning the NFC South this upcoming season, largely due to the continuity and some of the potential upgrades, particularly in the play calling sector with the move from Byron Lethbridge to Dave Canales. But now I'm going to have to force James to put on his pessimistic hat and talk about what he thinks could be some of the biggest reasons that could hold back this Bucks team and cause them to finish you know, less than first place. You know, I think the current projections have them being the last place team uh, in the NFC South based off of FanDuel's, uh, you know, uh, odds for winning the division. Uh, James, what do you think some of the biggest obstacles that the Bucks will have to overcome this year in order to uh, make the playoffs? Honestly, some of the biggest reasons that they can finish last in the NFC South are the same reasons that they can finish first. And it starts with the quarterback position. What if Baker Mayfield is more of what we saw in 21 and 22 rather than what we saw when he almost helped Cleveland upset the Kansas City Chiefs back in in 2020? So that's going to be a, a huge part of it. Is Baker that guy or is he the Carolina Los Angeles Rams guy? You know, which which player is it going to be? And if it's more of the latter, are we going to see Kyle Trask, who, in my opinion, isn't the guy? He's he's just not. And I could be wrong, and I've, I've said it on my show a lot. I've gotten criticized a lot for being so down on Kyle Trask. But all I can do is talk about what I have seen. And when I have seen Kyle Trask in person, it has been less than impressive. Now, he's had a few years under his belt. He Dave Canales runs a completely different style of offense than Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich were. And... I don't know. Maybe there's a, a, a another gear that he can get to now that he actually has an opportunity because you're sitting behind Tom Brady, right? You're not getting an opportunity unless there's an injury to him and to, uh, um, gosh, I, I just forgot who they're, who they're back. Lane Gabbard. 
Yes, thank you, Blaine. Gab- I, I knew I all I had was burned into my brain. He's he's lit up the Falcons way too many times uh, for yeah. me to forget Blaine Gabbert. Yeah. So unless Brady and, and and Gabbert go down, Kyle Trask doesn't have a chance. So maybe there's part of that potential that's untapped now that he has an opportunity to shine. Uh, another reason, you know, just like a, a reason they could win the division is Dave Canales. You know, yes, he's coming from a very successful Seahawks team. He's coming from a successful, uh, I guess, program, for lack of a better term, working for Pete Carroll for so long. But this is his first shot at play calling. This is his first shot at really being the guy that's going to design and run the offense. So there's going to be some growing pains. There's no doubt about it. How successful he is is going to be a big factor in whether or not the Buccaneers can actually you know, do well or if those – growing pains are going to cause them to lose some games and, and really start to fall behind in the NFC South. Then you take a look again at the offensive line. You have Tristan Wirfs moving from the right side to the left side. You have Luke Gedeke who struggled so, so much last year as an interior lineman, now moving back to his college position of right tackle. Is he big enough? Is he strong enough to be able to play tackle in the NFL? That remains to be seen. You still have the drama surrounding Devin White. Is that going to be a black cloud that just kind of hovers overhead all season long? Or is Devin going to show up ready to go in a contract year and then let the chips fall where they may after the season? And and finally, Todd Bowles. You know, the, the jury's still out on Todd Bowles. Some think he had a fair shake in New York. I tend to lean more towards the fact that he really didn't get to make a lot of decisions that head coaches generally get to make when he was in New York. And this is his true opportunity to prove that he can be a good head coach and it could disintegrate right before our very eyes, but it's still his defense. It's still, you know, pro bowl and all pro caliber players on the defensive side of the ball with Devin and Levante and Vita Vea, Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean is back. Antoine Winfield jr. You have Ryan Neal coming over or i'm sorry uh uh uh, logan ryan i always confuse that because there was there was keanu neal and uh um logan ryan and yeah it now there's anyway uh (laughs) (laughs) you you have playmakers that fit perfectly in todd bull's defense but can he be the guy that oversees everything while still focusing a lot on the defensive side of the ball. So all of those things can come to a head and and cause the Bucs to, as we talked about in the last segment, win the division. But all of those reasons could also be why FanDuel is right, why they are you know, so far in, in the odds category to win the division, why they're plus 700 and, and the closest to them, I believe, was Atlanta at or it was either Atlanta or Carolina that's like plus 350. So it's it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see how this all plays out because I I see the Buccaneers as like a 7 to 9 win team. I don't think they're going to win the division. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but I don't think they're going to be as bad as so many national pundits think that they will. And a lot of that is because I think Baker Mayfield is better than he's getting credit for. 
I think that's fair. That's that's kind of my general assessment. I would not pick the Bucks to win the division. I would not pick them to make the playoffs, but I do feel like they'll probably be better than a lot of people think they're going to be and a lot more feisty and, and scrappy and whatnot because of, you know, the talent that they have, you know, that basically as long as Baker Mayfield isn't terrible, like, you know, or they're not forced to play Kyle Trask, as you say, like, you know, they should be able to be functional. Uh, and and particularly with that defense with Todd Bowles, again, I think it's fair to question Todd Bowles as a head coach, but you cannot question Todd Bowles as a defensive coordinator uh, yeah. with that in regard. So certainly I think the Bucks have some things in their favor. It's just those those big questions that I think you raised uh, for them to see if they can get a little bit more uh, out of this upcoming season than I think a lot of people expect from them. But uh, James, I really appreciate you coming in and sharing your thoughts on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Right. Uh, and let the people know, you know, what are some of the things that you and David are getting into on Locked on Bucks over the course of the summer? Yeah, right now it's a lot of focus on the quarterback battle, of course. Um, yeah, that's that's the topic Bucks fans want to hear about. That's what they want to talk about. That's what they want to debate, especially with such a large contingent of Bucks fans also being Florida Gator fans and, and thinking that we're not being fair to Kyle Trask. But, you know, that is what it is. And then, of course, you know, there's it's kind of that dead period. It's that time where we're taking a look at what other teams in the division are doing, what the projections are for the Buccaneers. We're taking a look at, you know, guys like Devin White who are having these contract disputes. You know, can the Bucs afford to pay Devin White what he wants versus, you know, still having to re-sign Antoine Winfield Jr.? And if you have to choose between the two, what's the right decision to make? So, yeah, a lot of things going on over at Locked On Bucks right now. Uh, and, of course, as training camp kicks off, man, that quarterback battle is going to be an everyday storyline. Yeah. And I never, you know, Falcon fans, we have to deal with Georgia fans, uh, you know, being upset with the Falcons, whether they draft Georgia players or not, or whatever. I can't imagine what it's like dealing with all of those uh, Florida teams, you know, whether it's Florida, Florida state, et cetera. And the fans that kind of carry over with the Tampa Bay bucks. I imagine that made the whole Jameis Winston saga. Very interesting, right? Florida state fans are the worst. Like of the of the major Florida colleges, Florida State fans are the worst. Every year there's a Florida State player that the Buccaneers absolutely have to draft. Sometimes people are right about it. Like there were, you know, times when they were saying they, you know, they should draft Alvin Cook, they should draft Jalen Ramsey, you know, they should they should draft these other guys. And then of course there was the the Jameis Winston year, but it seems like the the seminal contingent always says that the draft class is a total and absolute bust if they don't take this specific Florida State guy. Um, not going to say they were wrong about taking Dalvin Cook over O.J. Howard. That was not a good decision. But, you know, college fans are they're, – they're a little nutty sometimes. Sometimes it's a good way. Sometimes it's a bad way. My For those of you not watching on YouTube and listening on the podcast, there is a University of Illinois Fighting Illini block I – over my right shoulder so you all know that my football team generally stinks so i really don't you know put too much stock in in my collegiate fanhood but yeah college fans are nuts especially between the gators the knolls and the canes yeah i i can imagine i can imagine never never really thought about that uh with all those florida teams in in tampa bay buccaneer uh, fandom sort of crossover and whatnot. I thought, you know, just dealing with Georgia fans was enough, but I couldn't imagine dealing with three times <laughs> the, the the fervor uh, from those Florida teams. But uh, good luck, James, uh, as you sort of endeavor that. I think Florida State's going to have a couple of guys this year, so you, you're probably going to hear a lot more 
uh, about those guys and why the Bucks should draft them, you know, next offseason. So I look forward to, you know, watching those conversations, not necessarily engaging in them. But uh, <laughs> I really appreciate you coming on on today's Locked on Falcons. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Anytime, Aaron. Still more to come on today's Locked on Falcons. And speaking of Florida State prospects, we'll be talking about one uh, that is potentially looming in the 2024 NFL draft cycle. That is former South Carolina transfer tight end Jaheim Bell, who's now with Florida State, part of the talented Florida State roster. And you'll get my thoughts on why I think he makes a ton of sense for the Atlanta Falcons as a potential target in next year's draft coming up on today's Locked on Falcons. So wrapping up today's Locked on Falcons, let's talk a little bit more about another 2024 draft prospect. We talked a little bit about UCLA edge rusher Layatu Latu on yesterday's episode. But before we get into my discussion of Jaheim Bell currently with Florida State, formerly of South Carolina, uh, I do want to give a shout out to the everydayers that tune in each and every day. And for those of you that will continue to make Lockdown Falcons your first listen next week, I hope you have a great weekend. But we will be kicking off our defensive positional previews, I believe starting with the defensive line and talking about all the guys that we got to help Grady Jarrett this year and what type of season that will mean for those players as well as Grady Jarrett this upcoming season. So make sure you check us out on Locked on Falcons as your first listen coming Sunday evening on YouTube and Monday on your preferred audio platform. But speaking of Jaheim Bell, he's a player that I watched quite a bit of in the last month or so because watching South Carolina offensive lineman Javon Gwynn, who was a Falcons uh, draft pick in round seven this past year, you know, I'm focused on Gwen, but you're you're seeing all the other players in the South Carolina offense, like Spencer Rattler and Jaheim Bell and some some of their running backs and whatnot. And you know, Bell is intriguing to me. He was intriguing to me a year ago, but now with this, you know, buzz about positionless football, Bell really fits that paradigm, right? He's about 6'3, 230-ish sort of pounds. He played about 300 snaps for South Carolina last year, but he spent a large percentage of those snaps playing in the backfield as a running back. About 45% of his snaps last year came in the backfield, 15% as an inline tight end, 30% in the slot, and 9 out, 9% out wide. And then you go back to the previous year at South Carolina where he was much more of a true tight end with about 54% of his snaps in 2021 played inline, which is you know, on par with what you would normally see from a, a tight end or a pass catching tight end uh, in the NFL as, as well as the collegiate level. And the player that Bell reminds me a lot of is basically John o. Smith. He's basically another John o. Smith. I imagine over the next six to nine months, we'll hear a lot of player comps between Jaheim Bell and John o. Smith. Now, what's interesting about Bell is his running style in terms of like his gait and how he runs. It kind of reminds me of Kyle Pitts. He's not nearly as big or long or, or whatever. And I don't think he's probably as explosive as Kyle Pitts was. Uh, but, you know, I, I think in terms of where he fits in Atlanta, you know, he could ver fit in a variety of places as he's played a bunch across South Carolina, right? We know Cordero Patterson is a free agent after this season. Keith Smith is a free agent after the season. So you have potential openings at the running back position, at the fullback position. Who knows what's going on with John o. Smith? He's under contract for the 2024 season. But, you know, I think his cap hit is like $9 million. So, 
you know, that's not necessarily something that is guaranteed to be kept on the roster if he does not necessarily have a productive year this year. You're, you know, I don't see the Falcons paying $9 million for a backup tight end. So that is going to be something where the Falcons could have an opening at one of these spots that you could see Jaheim Bell kind of slotting in, right? That he's just basically another one of these positionless players that's comfortable carrying the ball if you want to use him as a running back, that's comfortable as a pass catcher from his background as a tight end. Now, the blocking stuff is maybe a little bit iffier. That's not something that, you know, from what I watched, South Carolina really utilized him in a major way. I might have to go back and watch uh, the previous year's tape to see him more in that role. And I'll be curious to see how Florida State uses him this year, right? That The expectation is they'll keep him as a tight end. He'll probably get less opportunities as a running uh, as a running back uh, this upcoming season. I'll be curious to see how he fits in. You have a pretty stacked Florida State offense. They have several top prospects at multiple positions. So, you know, he may not get the opportunities to to be productive this season like he had at South Carolina where he was kind of the guy in terms of like their best athlete at least last year on offense. Um and so he may be like the third or fourth best guy at Florida State, but you know, I don't think that's going to allow him to enhance his stock in a major way uh and be this sort of first round pick without having that sort of dominant year unless he can sort of emerge among some of these other players as the sort of guy. But it's going to be interesting to look at where Bell's stock is going to go over the next six to nine months between now and the, and the 2024 NFL draft cycle, right? Because, you know, is positionless football going to be this hot new thing like it was, you know, following on the heels of the 2021 season when everybody was like, we got to get our own Debo Samuel. And will teams look at, you know, Jaheim Bell as like a bigger version of that? a guy that's in a body type similar to John o. Smith or I think, you know, 6'3", 230, that's basically the body type of an Eddie George type of player. Not saying he's Eddie George as a runner, but that type of, of player on offense in terms of uh, size and whatnot. And so is that going to enhance uh, Jaheim Bell's stock? Or, you know, because we know this is a copycat league, everybody's looking for these, you know, positions players. Is, is the Falcons' potential success that they may have if they make the playoffs with these positionless players is everybody going to be like yeah we need to get one of those guys right and does that enhance Jaheim Bell stock or does he get labeled with the classic tweener status that he's you know too big for a wide receiver not quite gifted enough for a running back you know too small for a tight end and that causes him to drop into day three of the draft where he's a fifth or sixth round pick or something along those lines so I'm eager to see what Jaheim Bell's uh, draft stock looks like, you know, six months from now, nine months from now at this point in time. But he's an intriguing player that certainly if the Falcons are c- c- going to continue this trend of positionless players, of adding players that have versatility, you know, it's hard to not look at Jaheim Bell's body of work and say, hey, there's something intriguing there. There's This is a talented player. We just got to figure out exactly what does he do best, right? Is he just a guy out there that is in a similar way to John Smith where you're going to dial up screens and, and just find ways to get the ball in his hand and let him cook after the catch, which is what John o. Smith's claim to fame in the NFL has been, or is this a guy that can be a little bit more nuanced and a little bit more finesse, you know, be a refined route runner, be a refined blocker, be a refined runner, all those various things. So that's going to be interesting. So the story is not fully told on Jaheim Bell, but he is an intriguing player that I've seen quite a bit of over the last month. Saw a little bit of him uh, in the fall and in the previous summer, uh, just because, you know, you know me, I always got to keep my eye on the next great fullback prospect and a quote unquote undersized tight end is like the classic H back fullback type of guy. And an athlete like that, you know, is certainly intriguing to me. So Jaheim Bell's a player that I've been sort of 
watching from afar uh, for quite some time. And so I'll continue to watch him. And I think you guys should continue to watch him this fall. Florida State is absolutely loaded this year. Not only do they have Jaheim Bell, they have Jordan Travis, the quarterback. He may be a guy on the rise. Trey Benson, some people think he's RB1 in this upcoming draft class. Jared Verse, probably their top NFL draft prospect. He's a little bit on the older side, but he's an edge rusher. And a lot of people thought he would be a top 10, top 15 pick in this past year's draft. And the fact that he went back to school means that he may be, you know, edge one in this draft class. We talked about Laia Tulatu, uh, you know, potentially being a player that I'm a big fan of, uh, you know, that may be more deserving of it, but whether his draft side. So go check out yesterday's episode to get full context of it. But Jerry Verse is, is kind of the guy that I think goes into the season as the sort of default, the de facto edge one in this draft class over a guy like Laia Tulatu. Uh, you also have Johnny Wilson, who's like the six, seven wide receiver. Uh, you know, that's certainly intriguing. You know, Arthur Smith loves his size. So, you know, on Tate 2.0 and again I, I don't know if John, Johnny Smith Johnny Wilson is on Tate but you know just like just a monster human being of in terms of the size category and I know from what I understand they also have a couple of other you know defensive linemen in, in corners as well on the defense side of the ball that are expected to be pretty highly touted so I think for you, those of you that aren't necessarily watching Florida State football this year you know they are a team to check out couple of them they got the kickoff game against lsu uh in early september you know i know lsu's got a couple of prospects uh you know i haven't really watched a lot of them because he missed last season but mason smith is this deep lineman that is apparently a monster they have the wide receiver malik neighbors the next great wide receiver from lsu harold perkins is one of the you know guys that was one of the stars as a freshman last year in the sec so uh that game is certainly worth your while check out florida state lsu in september as a preview i know i'll be watching it to watch jaheem bell and others uh in that game but jaheem bell is a player to keep an eye on intriguing right if this positionless football thing this trend continues he's an eye he's a guy that i think uh you know will be an intriguing option for the falcons next year but that's going to do it for us here guys uh with our quote-unquote look ahead to the 2024 nfl draft next week we'll be looking ahead to the 2023 falcon season by breaking down each position group on the defensive line Sunday night, we should be starting things off with the defensive line uh, Monday morning on your preferred audio platform. So continue to make Lockdown Falcons your first listen, whether that's on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. And for your second listens, of course, you can check out the Lockdown NFL podcast to get the lowdown on the other 31 NFL teams, including the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, and of course, Make sure you check out all the local shows here on the Locked On Sports Atlanta podcast family, whether that's ATL Day Ones, uh, Hitting Hard, Locked On Braves, Locked On Bulldogs, Locked On uh, Locked On Braves, Bulldogs, and Hawks. It's like <laughs> the B words. It was just like, oh, it's all alliteration. I, I just went and sorry, Locked On Hawks. I was like, what's the other Atlanta team? The Locked On Hawks, of course. NBA free agency, all that and more with Brad Roland on Locked On Hawks, all part of the Locked On Podcast Network, guys. Your team every day.